Euro, 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 twenty twenty one. Yep. Just to just to clarify, I said, oh, I might start with a song, and then you looked like you had something really great lined up, and I assumed it would have the word worldy in it. Euro, Euro, Euro. 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 We're back. Euro, 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 worldy. Sure. Sure, we're back. We did our group stage previews, and now we're doing our group stage summary. Yeah, we sort of in, in, intimated we might be back sooner, but we're not. We're back now. It's just been so much goddamn football, Joel. Almost too much, wouldn't you say, Carl? That we couldn't really get together. No, not really. What, with watching the games, enjoying the games, watching the games, having lives, writing about the games. There wasn't enough time. Sending each other messages, going, "Oh my god, did you watch this? Did you watch that? Oh my god, was that your your EU pulled? Yes, it was my EU pulled. Oh, he had a Barnier Stormer. Oh, actually, we have to talk about Barnier. Stormer. Oh yeah, do you know what? F it. Let's just launch straight in with that. So, listener, listener, we work hard at our puns. It might not seem like we do. <laughs> we definitely discuss them before we... We don't just pick them out of the air. Yeah, we don't just... The first thing that comes into our head... I mean, it might, again, sound like that, but it's definitely not how it works. Mm-mm. So, Barnier Stormer is based around the concept of somebody having a barnstorming performance, which we both thought was a non-football term. It's just something that you've heard, like... Um, uh, something that you know, something that someone might say, like Keir Starmer played a barnstormer at Prime Minister's Questions. Probably not said that much, but still, it might be something that could be said. We thought so. Apparently not. Apparently, uh, on a straw poll taken uh, amongst some uh, some people that we uh, were watching a game with, uh, none of them knew what it meant. They were younger than us, but not like not substantially. No, and we're not exactly old. Well, football terms we are. Football, we've established that very, very much on the first episode uh, of the of the group previews. Listener, do you know what Barnstormer means? Had you heard that before? Did therefore Barnier Stormer just sound like a Frenchman causing a fight? Or a Frenchman who's like really right wing and was part of like the Stormfront website. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we didn't mean to confuse. We thought it was a fun pun. Anyway, sorry. What it meant. We know what it meant. We know what it meant. Because we, we went on and on about it. But anyway, you know, starting with an apology, a Khrushchev's correction corner. What would that be for this tournament? We'll have to think of that. So we wanted to come back before the knockouts to just do a sort of summary of what went down in the groups, but do it in a new format, which we've not done before, a countdown. A, a countdown. I mean, I mean what a, that's perfect. It's just like, it's pretty much manna from heaven to you and me. We love a countdown. We should have started the episode with the... Da, 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 oh, can, we'll go. I'll definitely go back and edit that in. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm sure there's probably free-to-use countdown music. Like, it sounds just enough like it. Sure. Uh, yes, we've got a countdown for you of things that we have noticed from the group stage. Some of them will be relating to uh, players that we pointed out or tidbits that we told you previously and whether or not they've come true or whether or not there's been any developments. Some of them will just be things that we've noticed that have happened, that have excited us. Um, also, we want to know what you've noticed that's excited you. Tweet us at WeldyPodcast. Email us, absolutewealthypodcast.gmail.com or get in touch with us, DM us on Instagram. I always forget the Instagram. Instagram, what's the Instagram, Carl? Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. Absolute Worldy Football Podcast on Instagram. Get in touch, tell us what you've noticed, and we'll bring it up when we come back after the round of 16. That's right, listener. It is the top 20 slash 21 things that happened in the groups. We'll start off after this with number 21. Kick Number 21. Italy, Italy are good. good. That's right, listener. Now, 
When I previewed the Italians, I think uh, uh, I mostly spoke about their extraordinary uh, player announcement. Uh, what I don't think I brought up, Carl, is that they are really, really good. Coming into the tournament, they hadn't conceded a goal in many, many games, and they still haven't conceded a goal in this tournament. But what seems amazing to me is that no one... I mean, they, they keep bringing it up in the coverage, that no one was talking about them as, like, potential winners. Now, like, they're sort of up there with the sort of two or three favourites. But, like, before the groups, I don't think anyone even had mentioned them, really. I think only three teams in the group stages won all three games. Yeah. Italy, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Correct. That's pretty extraordinary. Um, they're, 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 the, 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 the sort of first team won the first two games at a canter. They'd never scored three goals as, as the... As the commentators keep reminding us, they had never scored three goals in a European Championship match before, and now they've done it twice. They did it in the opening game, which is really exciting. Yeah, they they demolished Turkey, uh, then they repeated the feat, and then they, again, uh, against Switzerland, and then against Wales, having made eight changes, they won 1-0. Comfortably. Comfortably, without ever really looking in trouble. Um, so Italy are good. Will Italy win the whole thing, Kyle? Maybe. Uh, at this point... I would make them favourites. They've, they've played... I mean, obviously, knockout football changes everything, but um, they've played the best. It depends on your narrative. You want to decide works the best. Do you do really well in the groups and then just keep on doing well into the tournament? Or do you scrape through the groups, build up your momentum, work out your best team, and then find the way to victory? Could go either way. Could go either way. What's Italian for could go either way? Good question. We'll uh, <laughs> look that up. Players they should, listeners should look out for? I mean, so far, take your pick. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne is what is probably my favourite because uh, this is patronising as all hell, but he is so short and he's so excited to watch. It just, it, he looks, it's remarkable how much shorter he is than your average footballer. He's five foot four and it really shows, but he bounces off like six foot four defenders and just kind of sort of goes around them before they've even really noticed that he's there. I love him. And listener, I would like to say from Italy, if you're watching, uh, Chiro Immobile, the striker, has scored a couple of goals. Mm. Uh, you could say, oh, he's not very immobile. You could say that if you wanted to. Because <laughs> he's playing well. Um, they've, no, they've, had, uh, they've had an amazing time of things. Uh, one thing that did happen that I would say, I'm uh, just going to give myself, basically most of the things that I've brought to this countdown are things where I'm either attacking myself or giving myself a pat on the back. But uh, giving myself a little pat on the back for what happened to Giorgio Cialini, as we discussed, 36-year-old talismanic captain. Played brilliantly in the first game. Amazing going forward for a centre-back, because he used to be a left-back when he was much younger. But uh, he played brilliant in the first game. Second game, he scored. The passion on his face, the emotion of the moment. He really, you know, pushed himself to score this great goal. It then got disallowed. And two minutes later, he was on the floor asking to be substituted because he'd done his Hamstring, Kyle. ancient, ancient man. I said, I said, continental. He could, he could, it could be a step too far for him. And it turns out, even though Italy are amazing, uh, he's he's who knows when whether he'll be back in time for their game. Collini, we wish you all the best. Oh, we really do, we really do. So there you go, listener. Italy are good. Do you think they're going to win? I've got to say, I do. I think they're going to win. I'll call it now. They're the team I think going to win the whole thing. I think no one else has shown anything like their defensive solidity and their attacking prowess. Let's find out. Number 20. Southgate's new look. I love it. I, I I don't hate it. It's a change, listener. You know what he wore last time. Everyone does. Waistcoat. It's it's no waistcoat. He's taken off the waistcoat. He's replaced the shirt with 
a knitted, either a knitted uh, sort of polo or a knitted sort of button-up shirt. And then over the top of that, a really snazzy sort of thin, uh, sort of slimline design, uh, effectively raincoat. Yeah. It's just not as iconic. He actually has um, signed, he's signed an actual deal with a a sort of uh, a fashion house. And I think they kitted him out really well. Sure, I mean, why not? I just I, maybe it's the fact. Well, let, look, let's let's go for it. I mean, it's number twenty. England are boring? Question mark. Yeah, but Southgate looks snazzy. Yeah, but does he look as snazzy as he did in the waistcoat? No. So that team, that team that everyone fell in love with, that twenty eighteen World Cup team, uh, they were pretty snazzy going forward. They beat Panama six. Nil? 6-1? Six 6-1. One. Six one. Yeah, you know, they were an exciting team to watch and Southgate looks snazzy. Now I think Southgate looks boring and the team are playing boring. Oh my God, there's a correlation, Kyle. How did we not see this? I think, actually, Joel, that his look grows on you and England are going to grow on this tournament. Number 19. Danny, Danny Ward is, is a good keeper. keeper. So, yes, listener, you'll remember if you were with us for when we previewed the Welsh group, uh, Group A, uh, I said that the problem for Wales will be whoever plays in goal, be that Danny Ward or Wayne Hennessy, who neither of whom have played very much in the Premier League this season. We said that would be an, I said that would be an issue. I could not have been more wrong. He is not just a good keeper. I think he's borderline a great keeper. He's a good international goalkeeper. What does that mean? He, he plays well in a tournament setting with his Welsh colleagues, but he's never played at the top level, at club level. Does what? it matter for Wales? No. Will he ever, Will he get a move to a big club? Probably not. I think on the back of this tournament, I would if I was if I was a, a Premier League team or a, a team in a top division in Europe looking for someone who is a reliable shot stopper, fairly good distribution, calm head under pressure. You couldn't look no further than Danny Ward. Tottenham. Sure, why not? Tottenham sells Hugo Lloris, World Cup winning goalkeeper, could even win the Euros this summer, and you sign as a replacement Danny Ward? I'll take it. He's been good. He's been very good. And what about Wales? Wales in general, uh, you know, there, there's a romance to Wales, isn't there? It's because it's a small nation. They're a small nation, the Welsh. They don't have the same songs as Scotland, though, do they? No, famously not. <laughs> they haven't got any Wigfield up their sleeve. No, but they do uh, They do have lovely singing voices. Uh, Gareth Bale played well. Aaron Ramsey played well. The They're game. through, by the way, listener. They're through. That's a big thing. And they finished second in the group. They didn't even scrape through as one of the third place teams. Um, I, Wales have been good. I mean, Wales, are, I, will they get past the next stage? They'd have to play as well as they did against Turkey. But if any of our listeners listen, watch the, uh, the, if you listen, you've watched the game against uh, Turkey, you would have been impressed. They moved the ball well. They're exciting going forward. They rely on a bit of luck defensively and Danny Ward, but who knows? Who knows how far they could go? Well, they're playing Denmark, yeah. who I'm sure we'll come on to later. So you're saying for them to get through, Danny Ward, continue this form. That is the way that that will need to go. Number 18. Patrick, Patrick Schick, Schick, the Robert, Robert Pattinson, Pattinson of football. The, I... lo- the longer ones of those become quite hard to do in, in tandem. That's fun though. Yeah, yeah, go on then, keep going. <laughs> I still think he looks a bit like Robert Pattinson. I think the more I've seen him, the less I think he looks like Robert yeah, Pattinson. Yeah, because when you think of Robert Pattinson, you think you don't think made of glass, but you certainly think like particular, probably doesn't like a scrap. Yeah. Patrick Schick has sort of defied his uh, chiselled, angular good looks to get in many scraps. In fact, he got elbowed in the face to win a penalty that he didn't deserve and scored it with a bleeding nose and then did like pulled his 
muscles into a bicep curl in a way that I, if Robert Pattinson did, I'd feel really sad. I mean, let's see what happens with Robert Pattinson's Batman. He may well have similar vibes. Oh, I can imagine. He, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? I'm saying. Maybe he's but getting, also, yeah. I've never seen a footballer take a penalty with blood literally dripping down their face. Why did the referee allow that? Normally they're like, you can't have be bleeding. No. no. Literally, he ran up to take the penalty and blood spurted out of his nose down onto his uh, top lip. If you're wearing a bloodied shirt, you have to take it off. Yeah, so it's just... Well, also, you're not allowed to be bleeding. So maybe he is as charming as Robert Pattinson and he charmed the ref. Well, I, I mean, I, listen, I, I've said early on in this list that some of these, some of these, most of these that I've proposed for the list were things that are either me bigging myself up for picking something out before the tournament or criticising myself. I think you should be criticising yourself because you did not make Patrick Schick your Barnier Stormer. You did make him your EU've pulled. Why did you not think he was going to have... He's having... He's the... He's having a tournament that no one could have expected. He scored the goal of the tournament. No one's going to see better. If you missed it, listener, it was an extraordinary moment of improvisational genius scoring a goal from just inside his own half to lob Davy Marshall. Oh, Davy. Oh, he's got a good song, though. Needs it now. Yeah. Uh, three goals he's got, and Czech Republic are through, which we weren't necessarily expecting. So why did you not put him as... Why did you only think he was attractive? I'm sorry, everyone. But I... <laughs> I've got a question for you, Joel. Is he more attractive for being bloodied or less attractive to you? More. Good, me too. More. I mean, like, who doesn't like occasional shows of, of rabid, old-fashioned, like, caveman masculinity? Number 17. Swiss, Swiss magic. magic. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? When I previewed the Swiss, one of the main things I said was, lovely little intricate little bits of play. Yes, they you know they got absolutely demolished by Belgium, but at the side of that, not only did they draw with Wales in the opening game, they blew Turkey out of the water. They were never going to score enough goals that to qualify. I said they weren't going to score. They weren't going to score. They weren't going to score. Not only has did Jordan Shakiri score one of the goals of the tournament, player I did point out, but I will uh, I'll doff my cap to my own ignorance and say that's not a saying, is it? You've made it one. Thanks. Doffing the cap to the old ignorance. Uh, and say, Briel and Bolo and Harris Seferovic, who are criticised as they're kind of... Not many teams in the tournament playing two strikers. Most teams only playing one striker, but they're playing two, the Swiss. And I, I basically said that that was because neither of them were good enough. <laughs> and they keep hitting the back of the net. They keep scoring, making me look foolish. Guys. I don't think... I think their days are numbered still. I can't see it. Who have they got in the next round? They have got France. So... Bring on the goals. I mean, listen. Keep if, the magic going, Switzerland. If Bruel and Bolo and Harris Seferovic keep playing to the uh, the ability they're playing at the moment, then there's no real reason why not. And when you told me that in some places Jordan Shakiri is referred to as Magic Dwarf, I was appalled. But then when he scored those goals, I did say out loud in my own home, "Go on, Magic Dwarf," and I felt bad, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I still think the Alpine Messi is a better one. Less true though. Yeah, he's more of a magic dwarf than he's, he is an Alpine Messi. He, what I like is he seems to be getting stockier as he gets he older. He is the strangest shape. I love it though. It, I what I love. I mean, I've discussed it on the podcast before. I love unusually shaped footballers massively. You know, I like I like that kind of square, stocky, you know, strong footballer, especially if they're skillful and especially if they're fast going forward. And Jordan Shakiri is the main. He's still the main reason for Swiss magic. But Seferovic and, and Bolo have both been fantastic. Especially Mbolo. I really like him. And he was also my EU of Paul, so of course I like him. Switzerland, bon chance. Number 16. Denzel, Denzel Dumfries, Russian, Russian roulette. roulette. Do you remember, listener, 
when you first listened to this podcast, of course, in 2018, the category that we abandoned for this particular tournament was Russian Roulette. That was the, uh, a player was going to have a good World Cup, and at the end of it, a, a random team from any one of the top divisions in Europe was going to go, he's played three good games, I'm going to sign him for 30 million quid. Correct? Well, we got rid of that category. We shouldn't have done, because my God, is there a good Russian Roulette player out there? Denzel Dumfries plays in Holland, is native Holland. He will, I guarantee you, listener, he'll be playing in the Champions League next year. He, he's not good enough to, but on his, on his form in this tournament, he looks like a world beater. I think he's definitely good enough to. Because you've fallen into the whole Russian roulette mania. And also because, as I just said about Jordan Zagiri, I like stocky football. You're just a classic football fan. He's like, oh, he's amazing. He's played three good games. Yeah, and he scored from right back. Twice. Let's talk about who Netherlands have been playing in these games. All right, that's not the point. The point is that he he marauds forward up and down that wing. I think he's I think he's got the potential to be uh, a right back. He's he reminds me a lot a lot of. This is one for our uh, actual football fan listeners rather than our casual football fan listeners. Reminds me a lot of um, a right a Dutch right back from the past, Michael Reisiger. Well, he's not really a right back. Yeah, he's a right wing back. The similar way, Reisiger yeah. used to get forward to the byline a lot. He'd bomb on, yeah, bomb on. That's a cl- Dun- Denzel Dumfries, <laughs> the bomber, Denzel Dumfries. Mm, that's not okay. Um- <laughs> Denzel Dumfries is not only playing a, in a sort of very fashionable position, the the, the wing back. Mm. He's scoring goals. Yeah. Uh, Finishing it, moves with a goal. Listener, if you're in the pub and you're bored uh, during the upcoming uh, Holland-Czech Republic game, you can say, well, I guarantee Denzel Dumfries, somebody's going to take a gamble on him and buy him and play him in the Champions League next season. And that also makes me think, listener, if you like the odd flutter, maybe you should think about having a couple of quid on Denzel Dumfries shot on target in the game against Czech Republic. Oh, really? Is or that... Czechia. Czechia out that, those odds. I, I, uh, total, total tangent. I read an article the other day and I can't remember what it was about, but it wasn't about football, but they referred to the Czech Republic as Czechia. Thank you very much. And I was so, I nearly called you. <laughs> Number 15. Genie Wijnaldum is Captain Fantastic. Well, following on from Holland, we've started on Holland, so we might as well finish on Holland. Um, good grief. Ginny Wijnaldum. Now, if you're a Liverpool fan, you're probably sitting there going, Joel, we've known this for years. But I did not know, realistically, how good Wijnaldum was. And, you know, when we when I previewed Holland and I said he was going to be the Barnier Stormer, he was going to have an amazing summer, he was going to play really well, he was at that point looking like he was going to move to Barcelona. It's been announced during the tournament he's actually moving to Paris Saint-Germain. Bit of a surprise. Bit of a surprise. But uh, the point being, Liverpool fans, you're probably saying, you're an idiot, Joel, you weren't paying attention, but I did not know he was this good. He, he scored three goals. He is a rampaging attacking midfielder. He's exciting. Um, and more, 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 more than anything, as much as I say I didn't know how good he was, I did pick him out. And I, I, I think, Kyle, the point here is, having picked him out as Captain Fantastic, we did quite well at picking out players uh, who are at the top of the scoring charts. Of the one, two, three, four, five, six players at the top of the scoring charts, we mentioned four of them. There you go, listener. More validation for why you listen to this podcast. Exactly. Genie Wijnaldum, actually, Joel, you made me think of him as this... He's a box-to-box midfielder. He's leading by example. He's clearly got the experience of the Champions League and, and winning leagues with Liverpool. Dare I say it, he is the player that this England team seems to be lacking. We saw it in the first game. Calvin Phillips. I'm sorry, Calvin, you've not made your own bullet, your own name on this list because you only played one good game out of three. But that sort of performance... 
bringing the ball forward, playing those killer passes, getting on the end of moves. We don't have that at the moment. I'm worried. What I love about him is he's up and down the pitch. You see him in his own box. You see him in the opposition box. He scores goals. And also, you know, we all know this about me, listener. I'm the least nationalistic person talking about a national competition. But he looks like he wants to play for Holland. It looks, he looks like it's important to him. Uh, and the fact that he's captain in the absence of the injured Virgil van Dijk, I think has only added to that. He's their main, main man. Genie, keep the magic going. And that was 20 to 15. We'll be right back with 14 to 10 after this. That's right. I don't know nothing about football. Kickball with foot, football, yeah. Number 14. Tartan, Tartan Army tearing, tearing up, up the, the capital. capital. Jesus Christ. We... You, you, you enjoyed this maybe more than you should have done. <laughs> I was sent by several different people a, you know, when you get a WhatsApp thing forwarded and in the, in the, in the italics, it says forwarded many times yes. and you know, it's going to be good <laughs> because it's, it's become like a capsule that people aren't even sending independent. like, yep, send the whole thing. Everyone's got it. It was, it, it happened in the first lockdown. Do you remember when everyone got that message about how they were going to make a massive spaghetti bolognese inside Wembley Stadium? Yes. The original forwarded many times. This one was four separate videos of Scots fans, Tartan Army people being inebriated, naked and hurting themselves on the streets of London. Personal favourite, someone uh, sort of water sliding on just the ground of Chinatown. I had no idea how it went. They went over a grate. They could have lost nipples. It was incredible. Yes, you know... It's still it's tricky in it. Um, we've all seen the footage. <laughs> um, possibly you haven't seen the naked footage. We're not telling you to go search for it. We're not telling it's you to go search for it. It's just naked people with no shame, lots of, having a lot of fun. I don't have a problem with the naked form. No, that's not what the problem I was going to say. Oh, was COVID's the, the problem. The, yeah, it's the one. The one is the out the window in Leicester Square where you just see people just and also they're not watching the game that's what i find baffling about it the games are rubbish i mean the game is an absolute stinker of a game england versus scotland um, nil nil um i just I, it's tricky in it i mean what i don't like about it is the kind of weird divisive response from people who don't like football so either there's been a very weird classist thing which i think let's not even go into the, the assumption that uh, football fans getting drunk in the centre of a, uh, of a city must be working class. That's, that's one problem in itself uh, in terms of uh, how you read it. And then the other is pitching football fans against the general public when they're not behaving in the worst way football fans behave. So if a football fans are on your you know, tube carriage being racist... By all means, pitch them against the general public. Let's stamp that out. Football fans getting drunk and having a good time. I understand why people are annoyed that the police didn't step in and, and, and calm it down. But would you really have wanted to see football fans and the police fight? Would you prefer that to them potentially being very, very stupid in a pandemic? Depends on your taste. Like, if you, if you don't like uncouthness, then you're not going to like this. But if I'm more concerned about hate, and they, there wasn't much hatred. I mean, obviously there's a huge rivalry based on historical, a lot of history between Scotland and England, and there is some animosity there, obviously, but mm. I don't mind fans coming to celebrate and get pissed no. if they aren't, take, they're not targeting anyone. But a lot of the other stuff that I was seeing was a lot of people sort of comparing it to heavy-handed police presence at protests, uh, sort of people comparing it to the police presence around the Sarah Everard vigil. Sorry to get very serious, but like... I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because obviously you want 
people to be able to express their, you know, to have a good time. And, and you know, we are coming out of all these lockdowns and behaviour like that might set us back. It, it's tricky, isn't it? I, I sort of don't want to judge it, but I'm more judgmental of, of the sort of powers that be who've decreed that potentially football is within a kind of special category where, you know, it was the same when... City won the league or when Rangers won the league in Scotland there were football fans in the street drinking and celebrating and everyone was saying this is disgraceful if we were doing that for anything else we'd be being arrested with Covid fines I I don't know what the answer is here I do know that the answer is not to attack football fans when they're not doing anything wrong per se I mean Sadiq Khan did implore them not to come and they did so they I mean not that they're personally friends with him but you know like they could have done this on the streets of Glasgow and Edinburgh and insert Scottish town here but so there's something about the pilgrimage that is the appeal they haven't been in a national international tournament for that was a bit of a corrections corner we said 96 it was actually 98 so 23 years for a lot of these people it's the first time they've ever done this it doesn't make it okay it's It's not right let's put it this way it all comes down to the covid situation and people feeling like the reason people were upset I think is because it felt like that was allowed and vindicated uh, whereas similar sized gatherings are not, and that there is an intrinsic selfishness to mass gatherings at the moment uh, outside of the concept of protest, but yet protests are being cracked down upon. There's a, there's a lot to discuss there, but more, more than anything, there were moments where it was possible just to kind of put the rest of the politics of it out of your head and just enjoy a bunch of drunken men wearing nothing but kilts. I did read actually a lot of Scottish people being ashamed, not of the behaviour necessarily, but of the fact that some of these people were using uh, tartan uh, flags as pretend kilts. Get a kilt. (laughs) Get a kilt if you're going to wear a kilt. Come on. Number 13. Alioski was tired. I'm telling you, Kyle. I'm telling you now, I called it, I said, said Continental for North Macedonia, I said it'll be Alioski, he's had a hard season with Leeds, and what happened when he had to step up to take a penalty in the second match that North Macedonia, second match that North Macedonia were ever playing, ever playing in an international tournament, he missed a penalty. He was knackered. He was knackered, he was cream crackered. The whole team looked knackered. Uh, yeah, but shocker! They weren't good enough for this tournament. They were. They weren't. They weren't embarrassed. I think we said something quite offensive in in our coverage of them, which was not that they had a free pass, but basically they were a gimme. Or we weren't particularly uh, no. Nice. I, I said. I said that they will. They might spring a surprise. You started saying people should bet on them as dark horses to win the whole. Hey, thing. they scored a goal. <laughs> Who scored it? Goran Pandev. Yeah, my Barnier Stormer. Goran Pandev is. I heard this on another podcast, so apologies. Goran Pandev is older than the nation of North Macedonia. Yeah, yeah, I should have pointed that out. I did know that. So North Macedonia are out. But they. I don't think they were embarrassed. I don't think they embarrassed themselves. I don't. Uh, you know. All right. I may have bigged them up slightly too much to your listener by talking, Me too. by talking about them beating Germany before the tournament. Uh, more on the Germans later. But I. I don't think they embarrassed themselves. I don't think you know. Listen, you listen. Have no interest in un- understanding how they qualified via the lower part of the UEFA Nations League. It's fun, fun, fun. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with smaller teams getting a chance to play at the top level. There is, they've got some wonderful players. Alioski, I am being entirely, entirely. Uh, they have three good players. Yeah, I'm being facetious. He actually had quite a good tournament, but he did miss that penalty, which I'm sure was sticking in his craw a bit. Um, but yeah, no, I feel Can like. Can I just talk about missed penalties? Yes, please. There's been absolutely. Bl- Bloody loads of them. Have there? How yeah. many? 
I think at least five. And also, there's been more own goals in the group stage of this tournament than in the total of any other tournament of all time. It's it's uh well these players have been playing non-stop. For... So not just Alioski, they're all knackered. Yeah, that's you know that's the point really. I think uh, that's I also think why the games have been quite good. They've been a couple of duds, mostly involving England. <laughs> But everything, there's been some such good football. And I think it's mostly because everyone's exhausted. So they're all sort of playing on their last legs. And so therefore there are more goals, more goal mouth action, more drama. The VAR's been great, as the commentators keep telling us. Less delay. Less delay. Quick decisions. Thicker lines. They keep saying thicker lines. And um, nope, not going to make that joke. Um... <laughs> yes, so he was tired. Number 12. Martin Dubravka, Flappy McFlapperson. Now, you might not remember Martin Dubravka as a Slovakian goalkeeper, but I just want to just wanna read you something. I mean, if we were really bothered, we would cut this from the last episode and just put it in, but I'll just quote you, Joel. I said this about Martin Dubravka. <laughs> Expect Martin to have several breakdowns, lambast his colleagues and short-circuit due to stress, palming a cross into his own goal or something equally inexplicable. What did I say? You said... Mm, well, he's actually quite a good goalkeeper. He's a good shot stopper. I said, yeah, but his team are going to be so poor defensively that he's going to have a, a meltdown. Let's just watch this again to remind ourselves. Oh, that's a really bad ball out of defence. Oh, the ball's off the crossbar. And he just knocks it in his own goal. Like, there's just no... What was he ever trying to do? It, it, the fact, do you know what's amazing with this? Is the fact that you said palm it into his own goal. And he, you said, he, expect him to palm across into his own goal. And he legitimately, against Spain, in the final game, when there was still a lot to play for for Slovakia. They could have qualified. Yeah. He palmed... He flapped it into his own... Really awful. It's such a... He can't have known where he was standing. It's one of those ones where you watch it and, uh, you know, whether you've been a goalkeeper in the past uh, or not, um, like, you just think, how did he do that? I would say, in his defence, the sun was in his eyes, but he is facing towards his own goal. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's positionally as well. He must be able to see the goal. It, it, so he's watching, listen, if you haven't seen it, the ball hits the crossbar and the keeper is standing there waiting for what seems like an eternity for the ball to fall down. Into his hands. I mean, he could have caught it. I think in his head he was trying to tap the, you know, you know the, the way keepers do when they're standing under their own crossbar and the ball's coming down. They just kind of tap it over the bar. Of course, Out yeah. for a corner. But he doesn't jump. So he just kind of flaps his wrist at the ball and just sort of pats it over the line into his... It's a bizarre... I, listen, of anything, it's probably the most accurate thing that any of us said, either of us said would happen in the tournament. Is that what you were looking for? Thank you. I will say, like, it's, you'll, that, when you see slow motions of stuff, it always makes the goalkeeper look like they've made a really bad mistake or a defender. But in real time, it's impossible to judge it that the balls are travelling so quickly. Yeah, true. This one, that's not true. The ball is just falling at normal pace from the air and he knocks it into his own goal for no reason. But he also, before that in the game, when it was nil-nil, he saved a penalty. What? Martin! Martin, why? Number 11. Leon Goretzka. Oh, Leon Goretzka. Didn't get on in the first game. Now, you said something like, I just love the way he passes the ball. Yep, that was the point I made. He wasn't, he wasn't about the finishing. He wasn't about putting the final touch on things. He was going to be the metronome that kept Germany ticking over. He wasn't in the squad in the first game. <laughs> the second game, didn't get on the pitch. Oh, but how vital will Leon Goretzka's contribution have been in the third game? I mean, Kyle, Germany, 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 Germany. Now, here's the thing. 
I am far from being one of them people who takes pride at the Germans not doing well, but it has been fun to watch them play insanely because they lost their opening game to France. A tight game. Yeah. Then they went behind against Portugal. And then they... they at that point, they were out. Yeah. They was, it was looking terrible for them. They Germany. were going to get no points from the first two games. If you lose your first two games, you're basically out. Yeah. Well, then a player that I hadn't p- pointed out before the tournament at all, or even really heard of, called G- Gersens, G-O-S-E-N-S, uh, from left back, popped up with one of the games of the tournament and smashed Portugal almost single-handedly from down the left-hand side, winning Germany that game 4-2. And so they're going into the last game, all they needed to do was get a point against Hungary. And Pig's ear. With with like eight minutes to go, they, were, go- of it. they were going out until Leon Goretzka, the man that I said, passes the ball with a metronomic precision. He's about, He dictates the way they play. Couldn't have got that more wrong. Just leathered it. Just leathered it in and scored a goal which vital goal which kept Germany in the tournament which leads us neatly on to number 10 10 10 group of of death death. final Final day what a day so when we set up for the group of death I was like well there's always a group of death and it's always boring also you said oh Hungary whatever as in, I said it in a way that was to imply that they were just a dead rubber. Yeah, that they were the easy team. Well, well, how do I say apologies in Hungarian? Good question. It's a very complicated I language. I thought you spoke Hungarian. No, I am Hungarian. I don't speak Hungarian. Different things. Yeah. Um, Hungary turned up, Joel. They turned... Boy, howdy, did they? In the first game, Hungary held Portugal to nil-nil into the 80th minute. And we all thought, hang on. Portugal scored three goals in an injury time. Killed them dead. And there was, but it was a lesson. Yep. Don't you know? Don't write us off. We are in games. Next game, Drew one one with France. Yep. Best team in the tournament. And then, as I said on the last game, they were eight minutes from going through to face England. In fact, they led Germany twice. Ah, oh, such a shame. Such a shame. Leon Goretzka. Leon Goletzka. So in that game, two two final score. In the other game, France two, Portugal two. Eight goals in two games. The last game. At each moment of the of this last sort of closing moment, England were lined up because we already knew the result of from Group C and Group D the day before. England were going to play France and they were going to play Poland. And then they were going to... No, sorry, France, then Portugal. Then they are going to play Germany. Oh, no, they're going to play Hungary. Oh, no, they're going to play France again. It, it was, was back and forth. It was so exciting. I just... Any time things change, like... Any time, literally, the commentators are losing track of exactly who's going to be playing who. It was so... It was so much fun. Um, that group in general has been thrilling, thrilling, because none of them have really, I mean, Germany, as we say, they've turned up in a very strange way. They're playing exciting football that's also, you know, very risky. Uh, they've, you know, uh, lost one, won one, drawn one, which is the same as uh, Portugal managed. France didn't lose. France didn't lose, but they... Uh, they, did, they did only win one game, though. They that are group... the lowest points of any of the teams that finished top in the group by quite some way. Yeah, they got through with five points. Uh, Germany and Portugal got four points and Hungary got two points. I mean, Hungary, you just feel sorry for them. They were they were probably uh, losing games for less time in that group than any of the other teams. It really was the group of death. Yeah, called it. Called um, it. But the, both the world champions and the European champions are through. France, as we say, will be playing Switzerland. Portugal will be playing Belgium in a huge clash. Um, and the holders versus the top ranked team in the world. And then, of course, it's Angleterre 
Deutschland. I don't know why I said the, t- <laughs> the tournament's not in France and the game is in England. So I think we can safely say it's England versus, versus Germany. Germany. Yeah, in- I mean, amazing those games that have come out. That France, Switzerland, Portugal, Belgium and England, Germany. Especially Portugal, Belgium and England, Germany. Those are some people who might think that they have a right to talk about themselves as winners. But what a group. I just, I'm just, It was just really exciting. When Hungary got that point against France... Uh, it was it was an amazing moment when uh, the both of those games swung every which way. It was really exciting. When Germany beat Portugal 4-2, it was incredibly exciting. Just in general, a really, really exciting group. And listener, I know I'm a bit fixating on the fashion of wingbacks at the moment, but Denzel Dumfries from Netherlands on one side, Robin Gosens on the other... This is how you might win a national tournament. Sexy wingbacks. And we'll be right back with numbers nine through five after this. Do do Ron 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 do do Ron Ron Mr. Ron Ronaldo. I wrote that title out and I think I wrote it out wrong. 36 uh, years old, wrote it out wrong. Nice. 36 years old, Kyle, playing in that group of death. And O.M. Jizzle, the man is a good footballer. This tournament has been written out wrong. Yeah. 36 years old. Top goal scorer. Uh, now the joint top international goal scorer of all time. 110 goals. Absolutely amazing. You said, when I said, he's my Barnier Stormer, you said, oh, it's not Cristiano Ronaldo, is it? I said, it blooming well is, and this is why. He's the gift that keeps on giving to football. Have you seen the advert with him with his uh, top off? Good grief. Five goals, Joel. That's just the groups. Two more than anybody else. If I think that the record in one tournament was uh, Michel Platini or another French player with either nine or ten. I think he could reach that. Yeah, he's uh, he, he, he defies uh, any kind of logic... He's got to be in now. Somebody asked me, somebody who's not really a football fan, to list the best footballers of all time. I said it's a very, you know, it's a disputed thing and people of different eras say different things. But of course, you know, the the sort of main two that people throw in are Pelé and Maradona. But I was, you know, thinking about the modern era. Ronaldo and Messi have got to be up there in a discussion of the greatest footballers of all time now. They are the greatest footballers of all time. You don't think Pelé and Maradona would have something to say about that? I don't think you can argue against their consistency over time. Pele, yes, but never in Europe and never against consistently top opposition. Maradona, I think culturally and as an icon, bigger than the two of them. But in terms of performances as a football players and achievements... The only thing I would say is that both Maradona and Pele won World Cups and neither Messi or Ronaldo have. I don't think it's too late for them. Do you think... I don't know. I don't think it's too late for Ronaldo to win the World Cup in, in 18 ca- months' time. In Qatar. He's got, he's got five goals in this tournament already and mm. one assist. And Messi just scored uh, for Argentina in the Copa America, which we're not doing a podcast about. So, you know, you're right. You're right. He, he, there, there's a real strong argument that he is one of the greatest players of all time, as he's proven in the group of death, even though Portugal had to squeak through as one of the third-place teams. He still does that celebration. Yeah. He still does it. You can't... I think anyone who's disliked him over the years must now have come around full circle. He's impossible. Like, yes, he's petulant and he gets... You know, he moans quite a bit. But he's just such a wonderful footballer and an amazing goal scorer. You can't dislike the man. I've never seen him live. Have you? Like, chatting. 
No, as in, have you ever witnessed him oh, playing football? Yeah, no, I've seen you and I were both at a game when we saw Messi live. Oh, actually, no, that's a lie. I tell a lie. I have seen him live. I just think to watch him now, where at the age he is, where every single game is so important to him, he's still chasing records and chasing and chasing and chasing. He knows his time is limited. To I'd love to watch him I live. Saw, I saw him on the losing side against the team I supported at Wembley Stadium. Anyway, um, most importantly, of course, uh, he's made a political stance, whether intentionally or not. Oh, how, why did, how did this not make our top? It's in there. To do run, 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 to do run, run. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. How many billions did he wipe off? 40 billion pounds off their market value price just by moving two bottles. Didn't matter because then it turns out that Coca-Cola is worth 240 billion pounds now. Drink water. That was so great. Agua. But I think we think he might be sponsored by Pepsi, but which does sully it a bit. But if if he isn't sponsored by another rival fizzy drinks company, which he probably is, what a what a statement! Get um, rid of this rubbish. Yeah. Drink water. Don't eat all this fast food sponsoring a tournament. Eat a vegan diet. I mean, I just like the fact that uh, initially UEFA's response. I'm sure you've seen this listener. He goes, we you know, he goes to sit down to do an interview, and there's two bottles of Coke on the table, and he moves them off the table and holds up a bottle of water and says, "Agua." Um, but uh, UEFA's initial response was, players can drink whatever they want at a, at a post-match interview. And then, of course, after that, it's sort of a whole chain of events where players kept moving the drinks that were left out on the table. You had Paul Pogba, who was Muslim, uh, moving a bottle of 0% Heineken uh, because it was a beer, even though no alcohol, but still a beer. But um, zero alcohol beer still stands for beer. I think. It is still is I, beer. I did, I, I did sort of juggle with the moral conundrum of whether... If you don't like alcohol and don't drink it, and 0% alcoholic beer is offensive. I think Heineken is still a beer manufacturing company. Yeah, they make all their money from beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it did. So initially, UEFA were like, well, this is, you know, it's absolutely fine. Players can drink whatever they want. Don't worry about it. And then the more players that have done it, the more they've been like, well, no, no, you can't stop moving up with... (laughs) They give us millions of pounds of sponsorship to have their bottles on the table. Please stop moving them. It's very funny. I like it. It's, it's a, a moment. Any mo- Well, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, listener, any moment that sort of the capitalist giants of football get something sort of smacked back in their face a little bit, we, we'll, we're going to celebrate it. Uh, so yet another reason to love Cristiano Ronaldo. We love a cultural moment almost more than the football. Number eight. Robert, Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski. They're out. Poland are out. The player that you called the greatest player in the world. I said the best striker in the world. I said probably the greatest player on form. I did say that. Mm. I would still probably say it. He scored three goals and they were good goals. That's Robert Lewandowski. Obviously, our pun there was Lewandowski. Because they're out. Because they're out, yeah. But he also did something inexplicable, Joel. He hit the crossbar twice in three seconds. (laughs) He hit the crossbar. The ball came back out. He shot again. The hit the bar again. So really... I mean, you don't get two goals if you score the first one, but he could be on five goals. He could be the joint top goal scorer, and then what I said would be true. I mean, he has scored three goals, so he's... Yeah, but he ain't scoring anymore. He's joined second. No, not for long he won't be. No, that's true. Not when Harry Kane gets two hat-tricks or when in G- one game. Or when Wijnaldum or Schick or any of the other players who are on three goals scores another because they're still in it. I mean, any one of the good players. No, it's a shame Poland are out. I, uh, I, I was disappointed. There's a couple of teams that disappointed me that I thought might play better. Turkey obviously being one of them, but Poland being another one. When you previewed them, I got quite excited. I thought they have they have the arsenal to to attack people with, but they just never really turned up. They were sort of also playing wing backs and one of their wing backs is a an attacking midfielder for Derby County and it he played well, but if you're doing that, you're not gonna qualify. Uh it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh I think if any any anyone who wanted Poland to win or anyone got Poland in a sweepstake, they didn't play badly. They didn't play well. They're uh, gone. They're gone. No more Poland. 
Report. Number seven. Ukraine winding up Putin. It's the original chatbot. Vlad, they got you, didn't they? Oh yeah, they did. Uh, if you remember, listener, from our preview episodes, I said that one of the most uh, extraordinary things about Ukrainian football was the fact that they are still technically at war with Russia uh, in, in disputed territory in eastern Crimea that uh, the EU recognises as Ukrainian and the Russians dispute that, uh, that Shakhtar Donetsk, the best Ukrainian team, cannot play their football in, in Donetsk. They have to play it hundreds of miles away and that, you know, war was at the centre of all things going on in Ukrainian football. At the same time as I was telling people that, Kyle, Ukraine decided that they would put a hologram of the whole of Ukraine on the front of their international shirt. Did you see this? That's right, woven into the fabric of the design, uh, sort of around the sort of stomach chest area. So right front and center there is an outline, clearly visible through the shirt, of the Ukraine's considered borders. Yes, but very much including Eastern Crimea that Russia has attempted to annex. Disputed zones. Well, disputed only by Russia. (laughs) Russian disputed zone in it. Yeah. Oh God, that's twice the chatbot's gone off. He's coming for us, guys. Sorry, Vlad. Um, but anyway, so this was obviously a big deal. Uh, Russia got very angry before the tournament, uh, and everyone thought Ukraine would be forced to remove this full depiction of the whole of Ukraine, including the bit that uh, that Russia are at war with and trying to take. Uh, they weren't asked to remove it. They also had a slogan on the outside that says, Glory to Ukraine. It's on the back of the collar. Mm. And on the inside of the collar, it said something, Glory to our heroes. So maybe they knew the second one was more contentious and thence put it inside the neck. So they've been allowed to keep the full depiction of Ukraine on the front of the shirt, despite UEFA saying politics is not allowed in football. Which will come, come yeah. More on that well, yeah. and non. Um, but uh, they... And they were allowed to have glory to Ukraine as a sort of neutral sentiment. But apparently when that is combined with glory to our heroes, that is specifically to do with soldiers, pro-Ukraine, pro-EU fighters fighting the pro-Russian separatists in the Ukraine. Do you know what I think? They didn't take it off. Like, who's, checking, who's checking on the inside of their neck? Who's looking on the inside of the collar to see if the slogan's there? Well, Russia are not going to be playing Ukraine because Russia are out. Ukraine is still in, so we're not going to see any collar checking by any Russian players, that's for damn sure. Yeah, I'm glad we're not having a Ukraine versus Russia game. I'm a bit gutted. It would have been spicy. Especially if it had been played in Moscow, can you imagine? Not really. It would have been... I mean, God knows what would have, what would have happened. But Ukraine are through, and you're... What, I think you're Barnier Stormer, or maybe your hot... Your uh, EU have pulled. Mm. Your Ramchuk. Mm. Playing well. Playing very well. Playing very well. I would say that my uh, Continental, which was the manager, Shevchenko... He looks... I don't know whether I'm just projecting this onto him because I sort of... Because I said this, but he looks worried a lot. He looked like he was going to cry at one point when he thought they were going out. Well, Joel, you try having the pressure of a nation on your shoulders. You can't all be like Gareth Southgate. You can't all be able to handle that and, you know, take it in your stride like a hero. It takes its toll. When they lost 1-0 to Austria via that Baumgartner goal, the only goal of that game... um, at the end, when they weren't sure that they were through because, you know, all this craziness around the third place teams, uh, Shevchenko looked like he was going to weep. Um, so whether or not he's tactically on, on point, I don't know. But Ukraine is still there. Their political statement is still there. Russia is furious. And for the third time in this sector, sector? Section. There's the Vlad chatbot. Speaking of... Uh... National leaders getting a bit hot under the collar due to political statements. We move on to our next one. Number six. Neuer's Neuer's rainbow rainbow armband. Good on you, Neuer. 
I feel like Neuer has a bit of a... Uh, and maybe this is just the way that I feel about the German national team in general because of the way that I was raised, Joel, not to like Germany, um, <laughs> that he's an arsehole. I, I, I was at Chelsea when uh, just before COVID when Chelsea got battered 3-0 at home by Bayern Munich. And every time they scored, he ran out of his goal to celebrate with the team at the other end of the pitch which is annoying. Yeah. He's always been an annoying lad. Annoying. Annoyer. He's an annoyer. Um, but what he's done is insist on wearing a rainbow captain's armband, which is contravening UEFA's rules. But there's a reason why, Joel. Tell us. Because of the current political situation in Hungary? That's right. So Hungary, uh, there's been several laws passed or sort of combined, which are stopping the education of children up to a certain age with anything to do with anything apart from a heterosexual lifestyle yeah essentially it's 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 pro marriage pro uh anti-abortion yeah, expanding mm-hmm. on yeah it's expanding on the laws that exist in russia that do the same thing uh, uh against the promotion of homosexuality and they've included also trans identities within that um it's 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 very it's scary and troubling and leads will lead to repression and violence and football has sort of responded um well, so the so Neuer, first of all, Neuer was wearing the armband, which was criticised, or there was complaints about it to UEFA, and UEFA said it was not a political statement, so that was allowed to stay. Then, when Germany were going to play Hungary in the uh, in Munich, uh, the in the two-two, me- in the two-two draw, uh, the mayor of Munich asked if they could light up the Allianz Arena where they were playing the game with the LGBTQ flag colours, so the rainbow. You flag. might just be imagining like some nice. Multicolor. The stadium, the outside design of the stadium is is that it can be changed to, to be the club colours of any team that yeah. are playing in that tournament. So it would have been an absolutely spectacular statement that you would be able to see, maybe not from space, but pretty much a beacon <laughs> of of equality, effectively. Yeah. Uh, uh, UEFA said no, that that was too political, um, and that clearly led to some real responses both from Neuer wearing the armband but also from fans there was a lot of rainbow masks rainbow flags and the image that went all around the world of a fan during the Hungarian national anthem running onto the pitch holding uh, a rainbow flag and running around in front of the players uh, to make the statement that uh, this these new laws are unacceptable within the EU and within modern society. I mean, unfortunately, that is only one side of the of the uh, support. There, there were lots of Hungarian fans holding banners of supporting the opposite way. Yeah. Um, and this is where the problem sort of falls and where Joel and I's problem and our sort of criticism of UEFA is to to say you can't make political statements I think is ridiculous yeah if, to call it's a whole reason that they managed to completely morph the meaning of taking the knee uh and by doing so I think they bottled it yeah we, we, the Premier League did we discussed this before you by taking it away from meaning Black Lives Matter then you're discrediting their cause yep um and I think that you're doing a similar thing here by yep. I think, didn't UEFA say something like, basically, we agree with equality, we do things all around Europe to, to help encourage uh, people from non from LGBTQ plus backgrounds into sport, we fully support that, but if nations don't, then that's their choice. Yeah, 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 totally. They did say that. I mean, it's just, it's just nonsense. Uh, the idea that these are political statements in themselves, when it's just calling for equality, is 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 gross. Uh, it was great to see German fans and Manuel Neuer specifically 
making a statement. Hopefully uh, that will continue even though Hungary are out. Yeah, and back to my point about being brought up to not like Germany players, that's a really nice thing for Neuer to do and I commend him for it. And it's helping me to actually look forward to the game on Tuesday, England versus Germany, and think, well, I wouldn't mind so much if Germany won. That is big. That's big news, listener. Uh, that's Carl's upbringing chatbot there. And I would also like to say lots of Hungarian players, in particularly uh, their their captain, Willy yeah. Orban, and their goalkeeper have come out to support uh, equal rights yes. for all people in Hungary. Yeah, I think partly it's because they play, play their football in Germany and they know what side their bread's buttered. But, but also, yeah. I, I was listening to another podcast that said it's not as... Uh, bleak in Hungary amongst the actual populace as it seems that it, it in polls and things it, it's not it there's a lot of support there's a, a similar thing in Poland it's it's split in amongst the populace it's Brexit you know what I mean it's yeah. split amongst the populace there's a slight majority in favor of these draconian authoritarian rules uh I, I think it's important that football should stand up for what's right me too number five Players, players getting, getting COVID. COVID. It was always going to happen. It started before the tournament and weirdly, weirdly it's continued. Oh, what a surprise. I don't understand. Okay, I fundamentally don't understand it. Like, let's use uh, the case in point, Billy Gilmore, a Scottish midfielder, made his debut for Scotland in this tournament, didn't play the first game. They brought him in for the second game against England. He had an absolute Barnier stormer, by the way. <laughs> and suddenly all of Scotland's hopes were pinned on their child prodigy. And then he got COVID. But where and how? The, the fact that he even got COVID within their bubble is troubling. Uh, the fact that it led to none of the other Scottish players having to isolate, but two English players having to isolate. Nonsense. Uh, the whole thing is... Uh, if you, do you know what? That's not fair. Obviously, the decision was made by the English FA, not by the Scottish FA, yeah. to, for the England players to self-isolate because it was the right thing to do. It's sort of... I think that's quite symbolic of Southgate's management. Like, but also if you're you the will Cro- make the right decision if always. If you're the Croatia players going onto the pitch to face Scotland, and you know that one of their players has tested positive for COVID, but none of the other players have isolated. Yeah, but they must have also been Yeah, but they've been been, for sure they've instantly. tested and tested and tested, but it's been abundantly clear to the rest of the populace that testing isn't, isn't a foolproof method. Hang on, I test twice a week. Does that mean I might still have COVID? Of course. No, I do it right. Okay. I put the thing right at the back of my throat, I stick it right on my nose. I've what? got a big nose. Sorry, are you talking about a lateral flow test? Yes. Yep, let's not talk about it. Joel, not sticking other things up there. No, I'm just saying lateral flow test, isn't oh, it? Oh, I thought you were making a joke about penises. No, no, I did the thing. <laughs> Up your, up your nose. Oh, I might cut that out. Oh, I'll leave it. Um. Um, so, yes, yeah, so basically he spent half an hour after the game chatting with his, his Chelsea teammates, Ben Chilwell and Mason Mount, in the Wembley Tunnel, which I thought sort of was really sweet. But then, because they were so close to each other, those English lads had to self-isolate. There's a photo of when Billy Gilmore got subbed or came off at the end of the game of his manager... Holding him by the face. And he did not have to self-isolate. The whole thing, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. It shouldn't be happening. We know that... Or, or, here's a lovely thought I had. What everyone in the English and Scottish camps knows but cannot say is that Ben Chilwell, Mason Mount and Billy Gilmore are close. Closer than close. Um, And it's going to all come out and it's going to be the story of the tournament. Allegedly. I mean, let's not... (laughs) Well, that could be what it is. Sure, I hope so. Wouldn't it be nice? It would. I mean, it would be this. You know, an American footballer has just come out this week. Who knows? Who? I can't remember his name. That's awful. Well, the fact is that it shows that it just. Who cares? It doesn't matter what your name is. Yeah, he should be able to be uh, 
elite professional footballer Andy Gay. Yes. Anyway, you don't know how you got into that, seeing as there's absolutely no proof of that whatsoever. Um, no, I just... Look, we all know the tournament shouldn't be happening. We all know it certainly shouldn't be happening in multiple cities across Europe at this point. It's completely mad. What a surprise. Uh, it also just goes to show the difference in that, that there's no one rule for everyone. Every, nas- every national uh, football association makes their own rules. Uh, as we mentioned in the previews, uh, Holland didn't take their number one best goalkeeper because he had COVID, whereas Spain took their captain who had COVID, missed the first two games, came back for their third one, 5-0, and cried at the end because he was so proud to be back, Sergio Busquets. So you just think, if there's no consistency in who has to isolate, whether players can come back after having COVID, the whole thing is completely nuts. It shouldn't be happening, but it is, and we're excited, and we're going to do a top four after this. That's right. I don't know nothing about football. But I love my friends, so I'll watch it for them. Uh. Kickball with the football, yeah. Number four. Ericsson. Obviously, this is number one. But just because we have other things to say, we had to put it here. Um, narratively, it makes sense, although this is a far more important subject than the narrative of our countdown. Yes. Christian Ericsson's heart stopped in the opening game between Denmark and Finland. And he was pretty much, pro- well, he was close to death. Yeah, well, as the team go- a team goalkeeper, the team doctor said, uh, he was gone and we brought him back. Yep. And they did so whilst his teammates formed effectively a, a, a ring of secrecy mm. around him to protect his body from the glare of the cameras, which he, they really shouldn't have to do. No. It also became a bit of a prayer circle for several of the players which I thought was incredibly powerful to watch there, there was a lot wrong with the coverage um, which we can talk about I, I didn't actually watch it live so I've sort of I only... saw it it was very odd there was a fixation on at the point where his partner came down to the pitch to mm. be closer to the situation and was obviously absolutely beside herself with well, they've got panic two, and two fear two young children don't they so... they kept just filming her yeah uh, yeah, the decisions made by the UEFA-backed uh, director and camera team was... They were interesting. I mean, fundamentally, you know, every other podcast, both football and non-football, and every other news channel, both football, both sport and not, has talked about this till the cows come home. It's one of those moments when you just forget about the fact... Or you maybe you remember, in fact, this is just a game and who cares. Um you know, just delighted that he didn't die. He didn't die. Um, the whole of Denmark has been unified in its support of the team mm. through this incident. Yeah. Uh, the fans in the state... Imagine being in that stadium knowing that the game has to be completed at some point yeah. and that your team are going to play again. And there were, we saw fans, hundreds of fans in tears. The Finnish fans started a call and response chant of Christian Eriksson. This is when they didn't even know whether he was alive. Mm. Um, and it just feels like it sort of crystallised the power of football to bring people together. Mm. Um, it's always odd when it happens in a national tournament because it just sort of feels... Yeah, know. well, I had some somebody asked me, is that the first time that's ever happened? And I was like, good God, no. You know, uh, elite athletes and uh, sudden uh, heart heart stoppage is actually quite a common thing. It happens quite a lot. Um, they don't know what causes it. You know, these are players who are tested to within, you know, every aspect of their life is tested, tested, tested. At no point would any heart irregularity have shown up in any Christian Eriksen's test. Otherwise, they would have dealt with it, um, you know. They have medicals whenever they move clubs, and he moved clubs a year and a half ago, you know, and they're consistently 
looked after. Uh, There was aspects of it which left a bad taste, I think, Uh, even though obviously he survived and that was the most important thing. UEFA telling Denmark once they knew that he was awake and wasn't dead, UEFA telling Denmark they could either finish the game that evening or the next day at midday wasn't great. They didn't Uh, need to do that. It doesn't look good. Uh, Well, maybe, obviously they felt that they did because it would organisationally, scheduling-wise, throw up some hiccups, but a man nearly died. Yeah. um, and And, you know... Just the trauma of that experience for everyone involved in the stadium, the staff, the fans. It's not, yes, you might get over it. You think you might be over it because he didn't die. But that will be a triggering experience for them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, really, really, really intense. Very difficult to deal with. Very difficult. I think there's a, it brings up an interesting thing that maybe we should do an entire episode about, which is the kind of, the hypocrisy of having a passion for something that is fundamentally not important and what that means when it rubs into something that is important. Football is not life and death, and this was a life and death situation. And that is fascinating as someone who's obsessed with football, what that means for you psychologically when you suddenly ha- are faced with the fact that it's not, in the grand scheme of things, it's not important. And in and sort of another way, it brings a whole new meaning of giving everything for the team. Yeah, totally. Um, because now, if Ericsson ever is able to play again for Denmark... It will be a, a national celebration. Yep, absolutely. Of- uh, and, you know, he's been fitted with a, a heart starter, just like the Dutch centre-back, Daley Blind, who's been playing at this tournament, who has heart problems that were discovered not because he collapsed. Uh, he has the same thing as him, and he plays at an elite level, so it's possible that he will come back and continue playing. Although all of this does lead us on, Kyle, neatly to the upside, which is... Number three, Denmark, Denmark qualifying, qualifying the, the people's, people's team. team. Oh my God. Like, obviously, it's very emotional for Danish people, but that doesn't mean that the rest of us cannot feel completely pulled towards this story. And Denmark lost their opening game where I think pretty much on the half time whistle almost, the incident occurred with Ericsson. They had to play on. Some of these players had known Christian Eriksen since they were children playing in you know grassroots football in Denmark and then they lost to Finland Finland scored a goal didn't celebrate really because how do you celebrate something like that but equally for Finland a massive moment in their football history first winner in national tournament so Denmark know that if they lose against Belgium in the second game they're effectively out and they fought tooth and nail for a point and were beaten by a better team but also they weren't in a right frame of mind by that game probably either. No. Uh, and yet... And yet... Positively, coming into that final game... They battered Russia 4-1. At 4-1. that point, at 1-1, Russia could still qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Copenhagen, where they played the first game where the tragedy occurred, in the in the, the actual emotional release for everyone in that stadium when they went 2-1 up, 3-1 up, 4-1 up. Yeah. It was like, so nice to watch. Like... It, and it's hard to root for a team for this reason because it feels fairly arbitrary. But it's not. It's just a human connection. Ah, uh, it's uh, uh, the neutrals' favourite now. I mean, it's just great. I, I mean, who knows what will happen when they play Wales, the other neutrals' favourite? <laughs> and I believe Denmark are the only team ever in the European Championships to qualify in second place with only three points. Amazing, and having lost their first two games. Yeah. Uh, it, they, the the wind of momentum is behind them. Anything could happen. I mean, you know, you pointed out 1992, no one expected them to do anything. No one would have expected them to do anything after Ericsson collapsed if if things go well for them. I mean, I'm pretty sure that anyone who doesn't love football 
but who watches football around this time every couple of years is rooting for them so hard, Kyle. I can't help but think of Christian Eriksen. And like, I've heard people say, oh, you know, he'll be so happy. But I actually think it must be quite confused emotions for him. Yeah, definitely. He must be... There must be, obviously, absolute relief to be alive. And as he, he said in his release that he did on social media, I just want to know why this happened. Mm. But imagine if they go to the semi-finals or they go to the final and he... He's... But using him as a motivation because, of, you know... But for him as a professional athlete at the peak of his powers, really, he'll but never, again, he'll never be the... able to play in these yeah, games. Yeah, but again, it comes back to what's important. He's got two young kids. He's got a family. You know, who cares? It's great. If Denmark do well, we'll all cheer and have a lovely time. I don't think it makes a difference to Ericsson. He'll enjoy them playing well. But at the end of the day, like you say, he's got to figure out what's going on with his health. And he that's the focus. I can't imagine, you know, like anyone, you're not going to, realistically, if you really come down to it, if you have a such a big uh, problem, you're not going to be like, well, what's my work situation? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So look, end of the day, I, I fully expect in these, in this last uh, last 16 everyone on Saturday 26th of June uh, depending on when this episode comes out possibly this very day uh, Wales versus Denmark at 5 o'clock in Holland who knows but I imagine everyone will be supporting Denmark Denmark are on the side of the draw that means it, it could be it very well could be a Denmark England semi-final then who do you go for? Still Denmark. People's team. That's what I'm saying. Number two. 36 games. games, Eight eight teams teams eliminated. eliminated. What a waste of time, Carl. Why? 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 What a waste of time. Why do we have... So little. Why? What is the consequence? Why well, are the group stages? Why not just have it as? What? Just what's the point? Why not have bigger groups then? Like a larger, rather than having yeah. six groups of four, yeah. have uh, four groups of six. Wait, four groups could six? Yeah, four groups of six. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So that, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. it's the top two going through straight to the quarterfinals, and therefore each game is so much more important. Yeah, but there are more games. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's baffling. To, to have 36 games for 24 teams and then there only to be eight teams eliminated is completely nuts. But it's happened. Yep, it's happened. I just think, what's the, it's just too much. And no wonder people are complaining about there being too much football. That is a lot of games for not much to happen. And even though that we said it's been there's been t- twists and turns and there's been maybe some underdogs that you wouldn't expect to get through to the last 16, etc., etc., it's still the teams we thought would be there that are there. Oh, yeah. Belgium. Italy, Spain, France, Holland, Germany, England. It's been a, you would say, what, the biggest team to go out that no one expected? Russia, maybe? But even mm. then, not really. They're rubbish. Turkey. But uh, uh, no. uh, 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 sorry, Vlad. Oh, God, they not are again. rubbish. Got the fifth, fifth Putin chatbot. Oh, God. Uh, if we disappear, you'll know what, what happened to us. Um, point being, all the big teams went through. It's not that surprising. Uh, the only thing that, it was almost like a kind of very elongated draw. Uh, to see which team, which of the big teams would have to play a big team and which big teams would not. That's a good point. France don't have to, England, Germany do. Like, that's essentially what it is. Italy are playing Austria. Like, yeah, know, do, do Belgium really deserve, having played pretty well, mm. to be playing Portugal? No, they no. should have a, a slightly easier draw. It's mad. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, but hey, look, it's happened. I've honestly, as we said earlier, I've enjoyed the football. It's been good football. How many games left? 15. 15 Not games many. Left. We're like, we're, we're two thirds of the way through the tournament, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And, and only eight teams have been knocked out. It's exciting. 
It's exciting. Fifteen times. more big games. This time in two weeks, it'll be done. So that was uh, that was number twenty, right? So that, that that means we're done. Yeah, we have one more. Euro twenty twenty. It's Euro twenty twenty, but it's in twenty twenty one. Number one. Games, games to look, look forward, forward to, and who we think, think is going, going to win. win? Of course, we had to do this. We didn't really do it before uh, during the group previews. This is what it's all come down to. Kyle, it's come down to Holland, Czech Republic. Uh, sorry, uh, Wales, Denmark. We are excited about that. Yeah, Wales, Denmark. I think we're going for Denmark. Uh, I would say Denmark, yes. Italy, Austria, which is on the same day as Wales and Denmark. It's In fact, why don't we do it? Let's explain. So uh, we're, as we're recording this, hopefully this will come out to you, listener, on the morning of Saturday, the 26th of June. We're recording on Friday, the 25th. Um, so yes, the first game is Wales, Denmark at five o'clock on Saturday, the 26th of June. Then at eight o'clock, this is all uh, British summertime, uh, eight o'clock. Italy versus Austria, Kyle. <sighs> Italy are going to batter them. Italy are going to batter them, I agree. Then the next day, it's Holland versus Czech Republic at five o'clock on Sunday the 27th of June. Close, but Netherlands. I mean, I don't... I've, unless Schick does something extraordinary, I think that's a, that's a guaranteed Holland win. Then later that night, 8pm, Belgium versus Portugal. Oh, I can't call it. I'll, I'll stick my neck out. Ronaldo, Portugal. Wow. Monday the 28th of June, 5pm, Croatia versus Spain. That's a tough one. That's really tough because Spain, we've not mentioned them. You notice we've not really mentioned them in this whole episode. They were terrible for the first two games and then they turned up and won 5-0. Can they beat Croatia? Yes. Can Croatia beat them? Yes. Are either of them amazing? No. Are they good on their day? Very much so. I'm calling it Spain. Later that night, Monday the 28th of June, 8pm, it's France versus Switzerland. I've already said bon chance to Switzerland. they got no chance. France. Non-chance. Non-chance. Tuesday, the 29th of June, Wembley Stadium, 5pm, England versus Germany. And 1966. The winner is... 1996. Or will it be that game where we won 5 1 in Munich? Which will it be, Joel? And the winner is? England! Okay. And the last game of the last 16, probably the, the game that has the least amount of interest for our listener but I'm quite excited by I it. like it because both teams wear blue and yellow which I think is lovely yeah it's unusual Sweden versus the Ukraine Sweden Sweden Dark Horses Sweden Dark which Horses which if we then talk about the, the quarterfinals so that leads us on to uh, quarterfinals Friday the 2nd of July we Ooh, may a week today a week today uh, it, at 5pm we think it will be France versus Spain call it Carl France uh, then later that day, 8pm, we think it will be Portugal versus Italy. Italy. Portugal. We've got to decide. Otherwise, how are we going to call Penalties, it? Penalties, can't call it. You've got to call it. Portugal. Okay, fine. Portugal to be... I'm, I'm going out on a limb saying, listener, this is not how I would call it, but fine. Portugal will beat Italy. Uh, then on Saturday, the 3rd of July, it's, uh, far, as far as we're concerned, Holland versus Denmark, 5 o'clock. I'm sorry, Denmark, but I think that's the end as of the far, road. As far as they get, Holland to win. Uh, and then the last game of that would be Sweden versus England. Well, we know how that goes. 2-0 England. So, Saturday, 3rd July. England are going far. It's very exciting. It's the semi-finals. Uh, uh, the first one is, of course, going to be uh, France versus Portugal. <sighs> last European Championship final was France versus Portugal. Portugal nicked it. This time, France. So it's France. That's on Tuesday the 6th of July, listener, if you're still following this. Uh, and then the other one is, of course, Holland versus 
England. I can't believe I'm allowing you to do this. 1996 revisited. Now, if we go back to 1996, it was 4-1 England. Yep. If this game actually happens, if it goes this way... Holland. We'll all be thinking, oh, we can do it again and we'll get battered. Holland. So you think it's going to be Netherlands Holland. in France in the final? I don't. Uh, I think Italy will get there. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't think so. I don't think Italy have played a good team yet. I think Italy will get uh, will 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 get past Portugal. Uh, but fine. Yes. Uh, great. So as far as we're concerned, because I won't let you have England in the final. The final will be Holland versus France. Amazing for Holland to come back from not having qualified for the World Cup that France won. So it's the world champions versus a team that didn't qualify. And who do you think will win on Sunday, the 11th of July at Wembley Stadium, Kyle? Absolute worldie from Denzel Dumfries, late winner for the Dutch. You heard it here first, listener. Our absolute worldie tip for the tournament is Holland. <laughs> Joel does not agree, but we got our bit of hope for something different. We can't have France winning the World Cup and then the Euros. That's boring. It is boring. Uh, I think for me, actually, my big two tips, if Belgium come good, Belgium, uh, I think they could get past Portugal uh, and uh, Italy. They're the two teams and then they will end up playing each other. Um, so... Who knows? I think you're. Right. I think in general, no one has seen anything from France that suggests they're not still the favourites. And to be honest, the more likely outcome is that Germany do beat England and get progressively better with each game and win the final. So, we're calling it for Holland, but with little little asterisks by Portugal, Fran- uh, by by France, Portugal, Belgium, Italy, Germany, and England. Asterisks. <laughs> Well, we enjoyed that. I, I loved that. It's one of my favourite episodes we've ever done. What are we going to do for the knockout games, Joel? We will let you know, listener. <laughs> we'll do some. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We might even do a watch along. Who knows? Who knows? But we're not going to promise anything because we tried to promise you things before the group stages and when we've not spoken to you since. So who knows when we'll see you next, listener. We hope you've enjoyed this as ever. Please, please do. Uh, it really does help us if you smash that like button, uh, smash that subscribe button, Press five stars. Leave us a review. Contact us if you want. Tweet us, email us, or Instagram us. All of those details are in the little bit of music you're about to hear. Kyle, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Too much football, but I'm still loving it. I think we've summed up the group stages in a nice way. So many talking points for you to bring up in the pub. In fact, 21 of them. That was the Absolute Weldy Football Podcast by Kyle Ross and Joel Samuels with theme music by Adam Janosz-Bazowski and Amachada Patel. Absolute Weldy is dedicated to the memory of Liam Seeker. Please do remember to like, share, subscribe, follow us at Weldy Podcast on Twitter, Absolute Weldy Football Podcast on Instagram, and drop us a line anytime at AbsoluteWeldyPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Italy again! <laughs> okay, try again. You have to do a little... How are you going to count it down? Okay, boy.